Today is Friday, January the 26th, 2024, and this is a Daily Inc. update. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell is backing off of his support for a border deal that has been negotiated in Congress of late. Other senators are telling media outlets like The Hill that this week at a GOP conference meeting behind closed doors, McConnell admitted that the process has become more politically difficult than he thought it would be, especially in light of where the Republican presidential primaries are headed in renominating Trump and that Trump has strong opinions on how the border crisis should be handled. McConnell is quoted as saying that Trump, that since Trump is likely the GOP nominee, the Republican Party should not do anything to undermine him. Hart also comes after his own GOP senators accused him of focusing more on protecting the borders of Ukraine than that of the U.S. Just last week, Trump blasted the whole deal on Truth Social, saying that it should not go forward unless the GOP leadership in the House and Senate get everything that they want and need to shut down the invasion that is occurring at the southern border. McConnell's sudden change in House Speaker Mike Johnson has already rejected the drafted package that was created over in the Senate. Speaking of the border, there are now 25 state governors who are coming out in support of Texas for refusing to back down and let the federal government come in and remove razor wire and barriers at the U.S.-Mexico border. Texas Governor Greg Abbott has deployed 30 miles of razor wire near Eagle Pass, Texas, despite the ruling from the U.S. Supreme Court that granted an emergency petition from the Biden administration, which is somehow claiming that removing razor wire is necessary for Border Patrol to secure the border from illegal crossings. Abbott went on Fox News to explain the constitutional rights that he is standing under when it comes to securing the border in his state. When the states voted to uh, create the United States and have a constitution, uh, included in that agreement was the compact that the federal government would take care of the states. And Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution speaks to that and and says that uh, if the federal government does not take care of the states and the states are in danger, we can ask the federal government to live up to its obligation. Then the authors of the Constitution knew there would be times when the federal government would not live up to its duty. And so they empowered states in Article 1, Section 10, the right of self-defense. And what Texas is asserting is our Article 1, Section 10 right of self-defense because the President of the United States is not fulfilling his duty to enforce the laws passed by Congress that deny illegal entry into the United States. A former member of the Trump administration, Peter Navarro, has been sentenced to four months in prison for contempt of Congress charges in that he did not cooperate with the House January 6th Select Committee and respond to a subpoena. White House advisor Steve Bannon was also sentenced to four months in prison for the same thing. Both Bannon and Navarro are appealing and have yet to be sent to prison as they appeal. Two big-time donors for Nikki Haley's presidential primary campaign are saying that they're calling it quits with her. Reid Hoffman first came on board with Haley's campaign by reasoning that she would be able to stop Trump and that America could survive a Haley presidency even if it was not as good as what Joe Biden is currently doing as president. So let that sink in. Hoffman thinks that Biden's doing a good job. And Andy Sabin, who has contributed millions of dollars to various Republican campaigns and also Haley's, is calling on Haley to get out before the South Carolina primary. He spoke about it on Fox News. There's absolutely no upside to her going to South Carolina. And there's a tremendous 
downside. She's down by 31 points now, and that's the last I heard in South Carolina. She's got two senators and a governor supporting Trump. But do you think yeah. that that, you know, there's any value at all to staying in a race? Uh, it, it might be Donald Trump's to lose, but she could give him a run for his money and she could test his medal and all benefit. Look, Neil, there's no upside. She's surrounded by consultants and staff. They don't want to lose their paychecks. So they tell Nikki Haley what she wants to hear, not what she should hear. And what she should hear, there's no viable path to continue. You can only harm yourself by going to South Carolina and losing by 30 plus points in your home state. It's political suicide. And despite the Republican National Committee making moves to declare Trump the presumptive nominee in the presidential primary, Trump has taken to his Truth Social account on Thursday night to encourage the RNC not to do so, but to let him win the title the old-fashioned way by completing the primary process and winning at the ballot box. Trump said it's in the best interest of party unity for him to do so. James O'Keefe and his undercover investigations through the O'Keefe Media Group is now releasing video that confirms even further what former North Carolina Congressman Madison Cawthorn said last year before he was ousted in a primary in 2022. Here is a reminder of what Cawthorn said when he was on the Warrior Poet Society podcast. The sexual perversion that goes on in Washington, I mean, it, being kind of a young guy in Washington with the average age of probably 60 or 70, and I look at all these people, a lot of them that I, you know, I've looked up to through my life. I've always paid attention to politics, guys that, you know, it, then all of a sudden you get invited to like, well, hey, we're going to have kind of a, a, a sexual get together at one of our homes. You should come. And I'm like, what, what did you just ask me to come to? Yeah. And then you realize they're asking you to come to an orgy. Now, James O'Keefe has caught up with an intern working for a Republican congressman from Arkansas. Titus Warren is a Capitol Hill intern who somehow did not recognize James O'Keefe at all when he met up with him and had dinner and spilled the beans on all of the sex parties, blackmail and leverage going on among Congress members. A lot of a lot of um, people, you know, get brought like couples to come in and um, the couples to start making out with other couples and men and men and women and women. And it's a whole big ordeal. Um Alcohol is a part of this. We reached out to Madison Cawthorn and got his reaction. Well, I mean, I've never been to a a party like this. I've been invited to them. My instant reaction to that is, you know, especially the blackmail piece that it seemed like uh, this individual was talking about in this piece. Um, You know, that's something that I experienced firsthand. You know, as soon as uh, it's kind of a latent threat, it's kind of just an understood thing in Washington. It's not something that's ever really... um, said to you, but it's it's well known that, you know, people can always have leverage points on you. As we head into the weekend, I want to leave you with this latest revelation from Kerry Lake of Arizona. Lake is running in the GOP primary for the U.S. Senate seat in that state, and she recently released audio of a conversation she had with Jeff DeWitt, the now former chairman of the Arizona Republican Party. He recently resigned. DeWitt was acting as an intermediary and was offering Lake a bribe from unnamed entities in Washington, D.C., who did not want Lake to enter the Senate primary and run for the Senate. Lake, however, refused the offer. And she has since gone on the Megyn Kelly show, revealing that the conversation happened a year ago and only now has she gone public with it. It was so surreal 
And I was in a hurry because I was finishing up my book and I was getting ready to pack for CPAC where I was going to go and be a, a keynote speaker there. And so I shooed him out of the house and I got on the plane later on um, and I was thinking about what I wanted to talk about at CPAC. And, you know, many times during this conversation, he said, this conversation never happened. Don't talk about it. Don't say anything about it. And I said, I have to say something about this. So I changed my speech the next day at CPAC and I brought this up immediately. So I've been mm -hmm. talking about this conversation for 11 full months. I didn't name who it was that came to my home, but I in very, uh, very good and sharp detail described what happened and the mainstream media never once contacted me and said, hey, what was that about? Who was behind that? This is just, um, you know, they're, they're so in cahoots with the swamp back in D.C., the mainstream media is. And that's why we're lucky to have independent people like you out there um, where we can get information and, and, and trust it. National Story Updates have been brought to you by Open Inc., a website that is a repository of documents for those who like deep digging, critical thinking, and true journalism where the facts speak for themselves. Up next, a preview of what is coming and what is available on the Open Inc. website. I want to continue in this report to cover more of the January 6th revelations that are coming out after newly released camera footage continues to show a different perspective on what really happened on that day inside the Capitol building, outside of the Capitol building, as well as the day leading up to the protests. One story that has emerged and come to the forefront here in the month of January 2024 compared to the past three years is the video about the pipe bomb found by a bench outside of the Democratic National Convention headquarters. Now, the timing of that find is simply amazing since it happened right when Vice President-elect Kamala Harris was inside the building. Now, Harris had just been at the Capitol building and was supposed to be there all day in order to take part in the certification of electors, as was needed in order for her to solidify her and Joe Biden's so-called election win. But instead, for some reason, she was at the DNC, and that reason has never, ever been explained by anyone in this case. Also, the reaction of the Capitol Police and the Secret Service agents that were assigned to protect Harris is also very odd in light of the person informing them of the pipe bomb at that bench. Now, Dan Bongino is former Secret Service, and he now runs his own podcast on Rumble with a lot of political commentary. He was a Secret Service agent for 12 years guarding President George W. Bush and Barack Obama during that time frame. So he brings to it a significant skill set in analysis of what should have happened or shouldn't have happened in the police response. Bongino has just been all over the analysis of this pipe bomb story ever since it came out. And he here he is talking about the three possible scenarios that could be going on here. Let me just give you the only possible scenarios, given my background here, that I see here. Let's go with Occam's razor. The one I don't want to believe, but sadly requires the fewest amount of assumptions and therefore keep it simple, stupid. Was this just outright negligence? Did someone looking to cause trouble drop a dummy bomb at the RNC and DNC and everybody on planet Earth missed it? Secret Service, DC Metro, DNC Security, the FBI. And did the film and the surveillance video that they have and won't show us, is it just corrupted? Uh, again, I'm throwing out possible scenarios. I'm not telling you just what happened. Don't jump down my throat. I'm just telling you, we got to open ourselves up to everything. 
unlike closed-minded media idiots. I see that scenario as highly unlikely, given my body of experience there and knowing how good these guys are. I see that as highly unlikely. But possible. Scenario number two. Was this some red cell op gone awry? Was this some effort by some branch of the United States government? I don't mean to sound like old Jason Bourne. That was trying to test security procedures and they just effed it up. They left it because these look like test devices. If you look at the pipe bomb in the Darren Beatty article, if you look at the picture of it, it clearly looks like a test. There it is. Thank you. Folks, this is a test device. A hundred percent. They're trying to test to see if you, this is a clownish device. Was this a red cell op gone awry? They were trying to test someone. They screwed it up. They left the damn thing behind. I don't know. I don't know if that's what happened. In any other scenario, if this wasn't January 6th, I'd say this was a red cell thing that went wrong. You do it on January 6th when they're going to certify the election? What kind of dumbass red cell op is that? He's 100% correct. That's why it makes no sense to me. Option number three. And I think you chatsters see where I'm going with this. Did someone in the United States government have some suspicions in advance that the Stop the Steal rally was going to be relatively well attended and that there were going to be some questions asked at the certification process that the Democrats didn't want asked? Mail-in ballots, all this other stuff. So did someone, I don't know who, plotting with someone in the United States government, or maybe not, maybe just on their own, did someone say, we got to make it look like MAGA is trying to take over the government. So let's get a riot going and let's make sure we leave two bombs behind to make sure the press picks up the story so they understand the gravity of the situation so we can shut down this process of asking questions on January 6th. Not telling you that's what happened. I'm just telling you, this is so insane with so many anomalies that, ladies and gentlemen, when the crazy and bizarre happens, you have to be willing to you have to be willing to ask about the crazy and bizarre security footage manipulations, the FBI not disclosing this footage, Kamala Harris in the building and lying about it, the media cover up. The bomb being found 20 minutes before the certification process with a timer with 20 minutes on it that wasn't moving. The bomb being found by a guy or a woman who notifies a guy who would work for the Capitol Hill police and any other bomb found by a Capitol Hill guy. None of this sounds right. There are way too many lies. The media not covering this story, which would only benefit them if it were true. Some MAGA person tried to bomb the RNC and DNC to stop Joe Biden from being certified as president? Oh my gosh, why is the media not talking about it at all? Folks, I didn't even see the story on conservative channels. Nobody wants to talk about this, but Julie Kelly, Darren Beatty, and a couple of people out there. That's it. This makes no sense. As you know, on the Open Inc. website, there is a collection devoted to January 6th that also includes some videos involving the strange gallows that were built the day before in Washington, D.C., as well as the curious activities of one Ray Epps during his time in D.C., as well as all of the testimony of those that were pulled in by the House Select Committee on January 6th for depositions and so much more. So be sure to check out the J6 collection on the Open Inc. website. 
There are some more developments in a case that involves Greg Phillips, Catherine Engelbrecht, and True the Vote that ultimately led to the two of them spending days in jail. The story is about software company Connick out of Michigan. Back in 2022, the Los Angeles County District Attorney George Gasson indicted Connick CEO Eugene Yu for illegally storing data on Los Angeles poll workers. A few months later, Gasson's case was dropped and then went nowhere. Since then, Eugene Yu sued the DA's office for civil rights violations, and just this week, the DA office agreed to pay Connick and Eugene Yu $5 million in a settlement. Eugene Yu was victorious in this effort to sue the L.A. DA's office, but he also tried to sue True the Vote and Phillips and Engelbrick for their part in revealing Connick's connection to China and the housing of servers in the country of China that contained poll worker data and election data from here in the U.S., the lawsuit that Connick launched against True the Vote ultimately was dropped, but not before a judge ordered Greg and Catherine to reveal their source of computer analysis in exposing those servers, and both of them refused to do so, and so they were thrown into prison for contempt of court. Through all of this, True the Vote had involved the FBI in this case due to its nature and the level of national security threat. This case is further explained on video that has been put out by Greg and Catherine and can be found in the Connick Collection that's also on Open Inc. Thanks for listening to this Daily Inc. Update.